but it is the debut episode of Bump Scars and Stories, and today we have none other than the great Sam Street. Sam, how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. How are you guys? Doing awesome. Wonderful. Yeah. Good. We're talking to you. It couldn't get any better. Awesome. I love that. And first and foremost, we'd like to thank you for being our very first guest. And we're going to show you how we do things. We can go down the whole line of everything that you've done in wrestling, but I feel like you've been on so many podcasts and you've told these stories so many times. We want to do it completely different and go right into the questions Let's of do it. scars and stories. Let's do it. All right. Perfect. First, we're going to get into our first question and it goes under the subject of bumps. Okay. However you feel, loose, answer it how Sam Street would answer this question. Okay. So how did you receive your first bumps in training? And what was going through your head? Oh, gosh. So my first bump ever was in Jimmy Valiant's ring, which is, like, known for being the hardest ring in the world. It's welded together. It's small. And they had me basically just stand against the ropes, and then they were just like, just do it. And I was terrified. <laughs> just do it. And I did it. And the first bump I took, I smacked my head off the mat. It hurt so badly. And right after that, I was like, uh-oh, I think I've made a mistake. I think this was a bad idea. <laughs> but it got easier. <laughs> so just to kind of touch touch up on that, when you say you thought this was the your biggest mistake, um, mm -hmm. What what made you decide to take that leap to say, okay, I'm ready to do this. I'm going to find a wrestling school, and, and I'm going to give this a shot. Well, I mean, truth be told, before that, I was in college soccer, which is what I thought I had always wanted. And by any objective standards for somebody at my age at that time, I had what would have been considered like a dream life. You know, I had worked for – 10 years in school and in soccer to get to play in the NCAA. And I was playing, I was in an amazing school. We wanted uh, an NCAA championship. And then I got to that high point that I always wanted to be at. And I realized, I know this isn't what I want to be doing. And when I won that championship ring, I distinctly remember putting it on and looking at it and just going, this isn't the kind of ring that I want in my life. <laughs> oh. That's when I decided to retire from my almost 10-year career in soccer and go and decide to start training. You were craving turnbuckles and ropes, weren't you? Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> uh, that's one thing I really like about we go into these questions, and I feel like we can kind of dive anywhere. Yeah. I, I love how you went into soccer, and there was like the compare and contrast, and I don't want this anymore, and this is what I want. But then you took that bump and you said, I don't even know if this is what I want. Yeah. Because I remember, I luckily, I didn't smack my head. But mm -hmm. boy, did I watch a lot of people smack theirs. Yeah. And I've watched people have to hold on to the ropes and then let go. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's such an adrenaline rush. Like, you just, with these kind of things, like, you'd never know what is going to happen next. You don't know if you're going to be able to handle another bump. Mm-hmm. For right. sure. I think it was almost like a shock to my whole body because when I played soccer, I was a goalkeeper. And so, you know, technically, I've, I've always called it the position that like takes bumps as well. But you're on the grass. And so it's a little bit softer. And then you hop into this really hard ring and I hit and I just like it felt like all of my bones were ringing. And I just remember coming home and my mom was like, how was it? And I was like, I have no idea. I hurt too bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrifying. Let's check me for a concussion, mom. Right, yeah, I'm I'm still not convinced I didn't get a concussion <laughs> that day, but I seem fine. So I'm just going to go with it. I'm going to go with it too. How many pens? There's a pen there? What? I All right. <laughs> we'll get back to Sam's uh medical report later. Right, right. Y'all have but... to with with um you know i'm sure jimmy valiant explained to you that this is one of the most unnatural things that you could possibly do because our first instinct is to catch ourselves when mm -hmm. we're about to yeah absolutely it was all the trainers and everybody was like 
you know, don't go with your instinct to like use your hands and catch yourself or anything like that, which like some athletic instincts translate, like, like the footwork translates beautifully from soccer to wrestling. But it, as far as like trying to catch yourself and trying to like make everything look right, it's completely different. That that's a big learning curve for sure. I wish I had the footwork that you did when I first started. I had two big 12 size 12 floppy feet. It was not easy. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty lucky in that sense that I didn't have to learn as much footwork. I had to learn how to apply it, but nobody had to teach me how to use my feet, which was so nice. <laughs> that was great. Jimmy, got anything? Um, yeah. Yeah, I I um this kind of goes, I guess this kind of goes along with bump and charge, but what was it like for you the first time you took a, was it the first time you walked into a locker room and you were like, okay, I've got to go out, I'm going to pull, and, you know, what was it like for you to walk into that locker room and, and I guess for a better lack of term, try to fit in because you're, you're new, you know, people don't want to yeah no <laughs> yeah I, I i got the gist of it um i mean when you go up to boogies for the first time it's a little bit of like a terrifying concept in general just because you know you have this whole aura of like it's a school owned by a hall of famer it's got a lot of history behind it um and then it, even just walking in there and you see all the like all the memorabilia on the walls he has the hall of fame it's super cool and kind of intimidating in general but also it i found out it's literally like in the middle of nowhere and there's no cell service out there so that was a little intimidating because i told my mom i was like yeah i'm gonna go wrestle with these people and you know that i've never met in the middle of nowhere and there's no cell service but like i'm sure it'll be fine and and it was totally fine but it's a little intimidating but then you walk in the locker room and you expect a lot of these people that are like big and throw each other around you expect everybody to be kind of like mean and like it, it i i don't know what exactly i expected but i didn't expect wrestlers to be so warm and welcoming and i'm sure not everybody is but i've been really fortunate to have met some really great people who like you watch them perform and they are amazing and very tough and very intimidating but they're also very welcoming to people who are passionate about wrestling like they are, which I was really grateful for. And I found that at Boogies as well. Um, you know, the trainers welcomed me immediately. And so that fear went away pretty quickly. So that was actually um, a question I was going to kind of ask off the cuff mm -hmm. that fell off the branch there. And you sort of somewhat answered it, but I'd like to know maybe a little in a little bit more detail. Did you kind of realize at any point in training that like, man, not everybody could be my friend? Yes. Yes. I think, I think no matter what you do, you're going to meet really awesome people and people that aren't necessarily so awesome, but th that comes with anything. But I think wrestling is unique in the sense that like, it's so competitive because part of our, success comes from our appeal to the fans and so with that comes a bit of a competitiveness to have the newest thing have the coolest move have the you know the, the biggest connection with the fans and so that in itself creates a competition which can be a good thing and it can be a friendly competition where you know in training we're pushing each other to be better trying new moves but it, it absolutely can go the other way um yes. and you who care more about their individual success than the success of the sport and that's that's the line that i'm not a fan of and like you know there could also sometimes be that jealousy like uh and it could come from either end where somebody gets something so right that you get so wrong or vice versa and it's like hmm you know like that person is you know they came they came in after me and you know they're 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 lapping me right now. Yeah. Or I just lapped this person. I came in and I think they feel some kind of way. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's more real than I expected. I like I said, I've been pretty fortunate in general to where I've met a lot of people to where 
when others are succeeding, the people that I've met just want to learn from that and use what they can to grow themselves. But I mean, you know, I've for sure had some experiences where I haven't been welcomed and I do my best to be like really friendly with everybody. I'm, I, I tend to think of myself as a pretty agreeable person, but I mean, I, I've definitely met people who, you know, regardless of how I act to them, they don't like me because I am new. And I like, I've been in this a year and like a month. And so they meet me, they know how new I am. And no matter how nice I am to them, they automatically don't like me because I've had a decent amount of success without having to be in the business a long time. And it's so great to talk about like both sides. Cause like you said, there is that healthy side. There is that side where none of that happens. And it's amazing. You know, where if you're fortunate enough to not come across that so much, it, it's awesome. And you can continue to stay, you, you become smart enough that you see it and you don't become a part of it. hundred percent. But I got another question here. Um, and that is, what is the roughest bump you've taken so far to your memory? Uh, it's gotta be something that really made you remember it and kind of where we're steering away from training so much where like you really got in the ring, you got in the ring with somebody and it's that bump that made you remember it. Oh, so honestly, I think I can't remember exactly where I was, but I, I was at a show and we had a spot where she, she had just sent me into the ropes. And when I came off, I gave her a sunset flip and I'm laying on the mat, trying to like pull her down to pin her. And she just drops and lands directly on my chest. Oh, oh, I, I couldn't breathe. The wind, it's gone. I want to say it was in Hillsville during the summer, but I honestly, that it all kind of blurs after a little bit. Um, and she just came down and I remember I just lost all of my air. My chest got hot on the inside and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know. <laughs> like, I've, I've never felt anything like that. And, you know, it almost felt like what I imagine it feels like when you're playing football and you just have another person run into you. Um, Cause I wasn't expecting it either. And to just have a whole person come down on your chest was a lot. So not necessarily a bump, but it hurt. I mean, I was looking for anything like that. Bump might be the word, but it's not necessarily always the meaning. It doesn't have to be, you know, boom. Yeah. It could be a variety of things just like that. That's what I was looking to hear. And right. I could think of some pretty scary times where something like that happened. And it hasn't even always involved wrestling. Like you made some really good comparisons there. Mm -hmm. I was in a posh pit once and I got kicked like right in, right in the ribs and I couldn't breathe in or out for like 45 seconds. It was terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're just eight. It's funny because like a move like that was awful, not just because I lost my air, but they say like when you lose your breath, the first thing to go is your legs. So like I'm trying to breathe and then I'm trying to get up and my legs are giving out. And so it's just like, you just feel like you're melting into the mat, which sucks. Yeah. you know, learn from it, I guess, learn to move out of the way. Yeah. It, all, all of that stuff that you're just taking it with you and like, what can I do to make sure nothing like that ever happens again? Yep. I'm going to do a quick Jimmy check. Jimmy? Is he frozen? Talk. He's just been talking so much. Can you hear me? Your picture isn't moving. That's fine. I can hear you a little bit. It's just breaking up. It's, it's, I'm here. Start doing this. Start doing what? <laughs> Do you see him fine? No. Do you oh, see him fine? So we're seeing no. it the same way. Um, so we're seeing it. What? All right, Sam. <laughs> okay. Question answered. <laughs> 
Yep. And let's go on to the third question for bumps. Okay. Have you ever rejected taking any particular bump? Yes. Uh, something yes. that you were asked to do, but you were smart something enough to say. That you were asked to do, but you were smart enough to say. So I was asked. I was asked. Is that me echoing? I can't tell. Yeah, um, I heard that me echoing. Too. I can't tell. Yeah, um, I heard too. I think it might be the audio coming back, but we were at a and I was at we were at all outside and I said gently and I said and people were kind of for it. I'm not doing it and I'm for it. I didn't. Yep, we're all kind of hearing the same thing right now. Yeah, I think the I think the yeah, audio. The same thing Can you hear me now? Kinda. Can you hear me? Kinda. Kinda. Let's see here. When we were doing the test. And we just got to be real here right now. <laughs> like, when we were doing the test, when we were doing the test, he was fine. Everything was fine. He wasn't frozen like this. Yeah. I mean, it happens though. It happens. Yeah. Honestly, it's kind of it's kind of like an ongoing story here as we're talking. It's like, well, what's gonna happen with Jimmy? <laughs> I need the best point. The story. the story within the story. Yeah. Jimmy, how's your story inception going? And he's gone. This should be an ongoing thing. Like every episode, he should just get like creepier and creepier and like just disturb the the interview. I hope he starts coming back like <laughs> just doing the robot. Like like Bray Wyatt style. Like it just gets yeah. I wanted him to pop pop back on the screen just with a lantern. Totally should. Totally should. Um, you were, you were getting started answering that question. I could re-ask it if you'd like. Oh, the, the bump that I said no to? Yep. Yeah, so we were at a fair show, and it was, we were set up in, like, the middle of this gravel space, and grass on the outside, and somebody, I don't know who had the original idea, but somebody brought up the idea for me to be suplexed onto the gravel, and I immediately said no. <laughs> And people kept pushing for it, and they were like, oh, it'll be great, it'll be great. And I was like, nope, no chance. I don't think <laughs> I've been in very long. Like, I debuted back in March, and this was, like, maybe June or July. And I was like, there's no way I'm taking that. And I didn't, and I'm so glad I didn't. But now I kind of want to one day, just, <laughs> just because. You had a tough enough time taking a suplex in the actual ring. You look at that, and you're like, nah, not yeah. for me. I was, I'm still learning at this point. Like I, like I debuted less than a year ago and I'm still learning. And somebody was like, okay, just take a suplex on the gravel. And I was like, no. Mm -mm. And you're not going to get the pop. You're going to get the, Ooh. <laughs> there was like, I'm not opposed to working in front of any size crowd, but the crowd that was there was not a wrestling crowd. They don't, they don't know what that means. You know, mm -hmm. it's a random fair show and they came out cause they saw the ring set up. And nobody was really paying attention. And so I was like, they're going to think that, like, something's wrong. So, I recently did one of those, something like that. Yeah. Which, they're a lot of fun. But I felt like in that moment, if we pulled something like that, they would think something was wrong. Yeah. Um, a lot of those, it's like people walking by and you're just trying to make people stop. But, like, those people are going to, like, stop and, like, dial 911. <laughs> yeah. Stop and watch your match. I did have a situation at a different fair show. It was the New River Valley Fair, where we had a pretty good-sized crowd. Like, wrestling fans came out and stuff like that. But then back, like, in between all these, like, funnel cake trucks and stuff, I saw this, like, group of people. And so when I come out, I climb up in the corner facing them, and I, like, just start yelling out at these people to come watch wrestling. And then, like, the there was an older guy that was with them that started hollering back at me. And so then it... 
all of them came over and he just kept hollering at me the whole match. And so it was so much. They thought they were going to see some drama. Like, (laughs) that's so funny. They're like, oh, let's watch people argue. But what we were really trying to get the message across was, I'm having a wrestling match. You should be here. He seemed like he was having fun and he had kids (laughs) with them. So, you know, I I take it as a win. That's any time that you can pull people in is a win. Yeah. Yeah. And it ended up being a really fun match too. It had rained right before the show. So the mat was like soaking wet. Um, and it, uh, you know, people were just walking around having a good time. We had regular fans there. My family was there. Um, and then there's just this older, older guy in overall sitting there just hollering at me. And I had the best time. It was so much fun. Those are the best kind of people. It was Those great. People, it's still real to me, damn it. I will argue with you till the death. Um, I chose you that I don't like you, and you're going to hear about it. Like, yeah. those are the best fans. Yeah, and he ended up high-fiving me on my way out, so I was like, okay, I want him. I got it. <laughs> they want to be a part of the show, and you let them, and it becomes a memory for both of you guys. A hundred percent. I was having a conversation with somebody recently about the difference between doing it for you versus doing it for the fans. It's so much that when you're doing it for the fans, it's just mm-hmm. so, even if they're not fans yet, if you can make them a fan, biggest win. Hugest win. It, a, a casual fan is a win, but a not fan at all. Uh, like I use my favorite answer. Actually, it's really my least favorite answer, but it's the common answer. It's the answer of I used to watch it when I was little, but then I grew out of it. Yeah. Why well, think you grow back in it? I agree. I agree. I think people lose interest when in school they try to bring up that they like it. And it's just personal experience. But uh, a lot of times, like, people would watch it when they were younger. And then we'd get into, like, high school. And they would try to talk about it, me. And everybody would be like, that stuff is so stupid. Why do you watch that? Why do you waste your time? So instead of telling people about it, I would just hide at lunch on my phone and watch it. Instead, because, you know, people made fun of me. My friends made fun of me. I got into a huge argument in the middle of the school library with a friend because she was like, that's not a real sport. And I I was like 17, hadn't started doing it yet, but I was mad. I love it. I love that so much. And there, there are, there's the sellouts too. The ones who, when everybody says that, they go, oh yeah, I was just kidding. I don't really watch it either. It, it's like I always say. Everybody says they don't watch it, yet the national shows get millions of views. So somebody's somebody's always watching it. And somebody's not always being honest that they watch it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I was the kid. And eventually I just stopped talking about it because I, I just I just wanted to go through school and go home. But, like, that definitely didn't stop me from wearing, like, a Bullet Club shirt to school and daring somebody to say something about it. So I'm an old-ass man at 32 as of yesterday. And when I was a kid, you couldn't you couldn't go to school or to the grocery store or wherever else with somebody wearing a DX shirt, a rock shirt, a stone cold shirt. I wanna get back to a time where now somebody at the grocery store is wearing an MJF shirt. Somebody online at the movie theater is wearing a, a Roman Reigns shirt. Yeah. Like, I want to get back there to where this is a mainstream thing and you you don't have to be ashamed. You could just know that it's cool. I agree. I agree. I love it. And the funny thing was technically my school district, like we were not allowed to wear wrestling shirts. So like if you showed up in a John Cena t-shirt that said like hustle, respect, you, you'd have to change. But like I showed up in bullet club t-shirts and because nobody knew that was wrestling, and I'd come up in like uh, New Japan shirts that was like written in Japanese and all this, and nobody knew what it was, so I never <laughs> got promoted. But then, like, uh, you know, a kid wearing like a Nikki Bella shirt got to change. Yeah, well, my wife would disagree, but I would say if you're wearing a Nikki Bella shirt, you got to change anyway. <laughs> a wrestling fan. Personal uh, preference. So, um, oh, <laughs> that's so. I, I want to protest your school now. Like, right? <laughs> I can't believe that they would do something like that. That's so low. Okay, all my old teachers found my Facebook page where I market myself for wrestling, and they all think it's amazing. So it's totally fine. <laughs> it's really 
when like my geometry teacher is like reposting my stuff it's really cool so i i do want to see like where we can kind of take this with bringing jimmy back in and um i know this first episode it's going to have a little i knew it was going to have some hiccups That's but fun. As far as like fun conversation and getting the questions out and and really just vibing all at once, I feel like that much has been definitely a success. For sure. I, I saw him move. I know. Jimmy? No. He's <laughs> not Uh, I want to go into a place where it kind of takes a little bit of a dark turn. Okay. But, um, we could always bring it back to light, and that is the scars. Can you hear yeah. me? Oh, you hear me? for the scars. Oh. Uh, it's choppy. Jimmy, can you tell me how you got those scars? <laughs> we heard you. I think he's gone. But there's nothing what I'm saying at all. What oh. Jimmy? Can you hear me? I give up. Hey. I said, can you? There's a little bit of. It's very bad. <laughs> can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. Continue on. Continue on. Okay. Continue with us. You're just lagging really bad. I'm trying. It's getting better. It is getting better. Continue on. Better. I believe in you. I, I, swear, yeah. I, I don't have a clue what's going on. I've done three podcasts. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah, just go ahead and do your You're laughing. All right. I heard that. So we're going to go into scars. Okay. <clears throat> uh, we'll cut back into lagging. We might plug a sponsor. And, um, and then we'll start telling some stories. Okay. Um. Has anything you experienced in this short time ever left a mental scar on you? I know that's a very deep-rooted question. So, yes, but not necessarily in a super dark way. I think it's just the biggest impact that, like, this business has had. Like, objectively, I look at photos from when I started versus now. I look very different and it's only been a year. It's actually crazy to me how different I look in a year. Um, but the biggest change is 100% mental because I, the business has made me break down and question everything about myself. And I've grown in literally every single way, but especially mentally. And I think everything about it is so emotionally charged for me. I cry all the time just from joy, just from like, I had a great match and then I just cry. I, I don't know how that works, but I think something that was tough for me was realizing that in order to become who you want to be, you have to give up who you were. And that was very tough for me because when I made the decision to retire from soccer, I didn't realize how much of my identity was tied to that. Um, and so it forced me to almost just figure out who I was in general. Um, so it, it was kind of a big scar to realize that you have to be the best version of yourself to be successful. But that's also what made has made me grow the most, if that makes sense. That was very deep. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah, first episode, gotta go hard. Wow. I feel like I just watched like a one of those episodes of Boy Meets World when I was a kid. Where I was just like, oh man, it's gonna make me. But also, um, 
I think the other thing, and I mentioned this a little bit before, is it doesn't matter how nice you are to people or how hard you work or how good you are. Some people just aren't going to like you. And that goes for fans, that goes for other wrestlers, promoters, whatever. Some people just aren't going to like you. And I try so hard to, like, be nice to everybody and be as good of a person as I can be. And I work hard. But, like, some people just don't like me. And that that really, that was really upsetting to me at first. Because I was like, I'm being so nice to these people. I'm really trying to be respectful. I don't know what the problem is. And I was like, they just don't like me. That's okay. So, that sucks, too. You said a lot there. Um, yeah. First off, I want to go into the how you felt like soccer was like you found out that like, wow, this was like my whole identity. Like I put so much of my identity into this yeah. and now starting from scratch, like how do how do I do that? How do I make this my identity yeah. or do this my identity? What if later I want a new identity? It, it's well, that's really. Yeah. That's the thing is that is like I think that most impactful part of my story to this point is I got really good at what I was doing. I was really good at school. I got really good grades. I was really really good at soccer, and I got to this really high point to where I was playing at the highest level I had ever wanted to. I was winning an NCAA championship. And then it just became this crisis almost where like I had to break everything down when I realized this isn't what I want anymore, but I don't know who I am separated from it because I was so concerned with my results. And I was such a results focused person to where I had to take the time to get to know who I am outside of things. And the best piece of advice I got when I started wrestling was, if you want to be able to tell your story, you have to know who you are first, which I was already. So when I figured out who I was, that's what got me to tell my story. So in essence, having that whole this of retiring from soccer and not knowing who I was and literally having to break down my life back to ground zero before I was able to build it up again, that's what's made me be able to tell my story through wrestling the best way that I can. You talked about like building yourself up to, you know, to the highest that you possibly could have. What, what was it like the first time that you, or, or, or just multiple times really, because we as wrestlers, we want to find that veteran and we want to say, how was my match? If they're going to be brutally honest with you, you're going to have to take that brutally. And, um, did you ever handle it on the outside like this, but on the inside you're going like this? No, I think, I think there's two sides to that because I don't take it like that because genuinely my identity is no longer tied to what I do. It's who I am. So when somebody is critiquing me on what I do, I don't feel attacked as a person, which I think is important, but also, I genuinely love what I'm doing so much that just being able to do it brings me so much joy, no matter what level I'm on, I'm on, no matter what match on the card I am, who I'm facing, it just brings me so much joy to be able to do it that if somebody is willing, who doesn't have to, if they're willing to take the time to help me in any way, it just feels like a plus for me. Even if they tell me something I did sucks. I don't want my next match to be that way. So that time to tell me that shows me that they know I can do better. And there is a veteran that I share a locker room with who has really just like taken me under his wing a hundred percent. And I'm so grateful for that because I am so young. I'm pretty often one of, if not the youngest person in these locker rooms that I'm in. And so having somebody that I can just, you know, send a message to a call and be like, hey, I'm really confused about this, or I have this question, or I'm struggling with this, and knowing that they'll give me advice that comes from a place of them knowing I can do better is so helpful. And I, I wish every 
person in my position had somebody like that. That's such an amazing tool to have. It really is. Like when you when you have that person that, you know, continues to want better for you for for your next time and it's genuine. Yes. Um I should have turned all of my notifications off because I, it's like the thing where nobody talks to you all day and then you finally do the thing where you want nobody to disturb your phone and it's like Yep. Yep, all day. Mm-hmm. See, that's fun. It's even more fun with ADHD. But I'm I'm trying to get back on course here. <laughs> I really wanted to talk to you about um and this is kind of the final part of the scars. Uh, you told me a couple stories when we were at Wasp Wrestling, mm -hmm. and they were some pretty scarring stories to the point where my jaw really hit the floor and my heart bled for you. So, with that, you know, there were some women that treated you pretty, pretty crappy. Mm -hmm. And I uh, just kind of like to hear a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, so I think I had to kind of come to terms with the fact that everybody's on their own path. And the way that somebody treats me could have absolutely nothing to do with me. It could be jealousy, like we talked about earlier. It could be something going on with them. It could be them trying to prove themselves to themselves. But at the end of the day, there are people who will try to take liberties with you because they think that you are naive because you're so new there are people who will try to make themselves look better at your expense rather than trying to make a great match um and i think i think I, I got really lucky with the sense that i got to have experiences really early where i had people very much try to take advantage of me and use a match with me to elevate themselves which I weirdly enough kind of respect, um, but I, you know, there was one instance in particular where, I mean, like I had a girl, she just wouldn't talk to me, not at all. I tried to introduce myself. I tried to do things the right way and be respectful and I got nothing. And so, you know, she, you know, we didn't talk for the first time until we were both standing inside the ring. And, you know, I, trying to be as respectful as possible to people but you know once somebody is that blatantly disrespectful on me it's like okay i know what i'm dealing with and so you know once we were in the ring it was kind of like you know gloves off for both of us and it we we settled it in there we didn't talk before and we didn't talk after i tried it didn't work so that happens sometimes but at the same time i learned so much from that that like it's not even a a salty thing for me. Any case like that, I just learned from. You're like a sponge in a way that I've probably never seen before. And I mean that in the aspect of your level of maturity, not just in life, but in wrestling is amazing. Um, your level of professionalism this early on in, in you wrestling it's it's like things that I've I've never really come across, and I, I'm not trying to separate, but like especially in women in wrestling. Yeah, there is that separation though, and I know a lot of people consciously try not to make that separation, but I think it's because people see that separation as a bad thing. And I don't mean to go off on a tangent on that, but I think it's something that women need to address more. If you're gonna tangent, this is the place tangent. I'm putting my feet up. <laughs> there we have separate divisions because men and women have different strengths. There are amazing opportunities for intergender matches that are so entertaining. I'm in an intergender, I, I'm having intergender matches now and I love them and I'm so grateful for them. And we're having great matches. The fans love it. But at the same time, we make good matches because we have different strengths. And so, you know, when somebody says you're good at this for a women's wrestler or you're good at this, you know, in in the men's department, whatever, I don't see that as a bad thing. And I think we benefit as wrestlers 
from everybody really just leaning into what makes them different and what makes them unique. And I think that's a cool thing that's happening in the world in general is we're able to lean into what makes us different. Part of that is, you know, our strengths and weaknesses. Part of it is, you know, gender and all this different stuff. So I think, you know, this concept of people separating us isn't necessarily a bad thing. Because wrestling is everything. Like, Agreed. If we all wore the same thing and we all act, we all had the same personality and we all wrestled the same and did all the same moves, it would be boring as shit. However, Agreed. we have genders, we have different personalities, we have different characters. Wrestling is everything. And yeah. that's what makes it so when you put, you know, China against Eddie Guerrero, people want to see that because it's so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think like there literally is nothing in the world like wrestling. Wrestling touches so many different aspects. It, it, it'll attract a sports fan. It'll attract, you know, it, you know, really like entertainment nerds and, you know, people who love production and, you know, photography, videography, stuff like that. It's so different with wrestling and costume design and entertainment and social media aspects. It literally is everything, like you said, which is what I love so much about it. And I remember so distinctly when I was little, I was sitting talking to my grandma and I was in elementary school and she just asked one of those typical grandma questions. Oh, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I was like, I have no idea, but I want to do all these things. And I listed out like 20 different qualities and i remember she said to me she was like i mean i don't think there's a job that does all of those and literally the one thing in the world and i found it and it's mind-blowing you want to be an entertainer you want to you know uh be a public speaker you want to punch people in the face they're oh man all those things balled up into one you want to be a wrestler yeah exactly exactly and people get that confused a lot they think it's just the you know they think it's just the punching people in the face part but it's so much more than that um i want to go into the last thing and basically a lot of what we've been doing this whole time this is really the fun part this is where i want to open it up to you and hear some stories and I don't want to hear a story that you've told on any other podcast. I want a wrestling story, your wrestling story, how you want it. Like, if it's a car ride that you could remember that you'll never forget. If it was after a show, hanging out in the parking lot with those two wrestlers. We we know how, like, you know, those powwows go and everything. It doesn't always entail the bumps or the scars. Wrestling. So much about the stories. A hundred percent. I think, and you know, like I said, I've only been in this for so long. So I've got like cool wrestling stories, match stories, stuff like that. But to me, I think I'm kind of in one big story. In the, you know, you see all these popular movies that are like the coming of age stories and things like that. And I feel like that's where I'm in right now, because when I had that phase of my life where I was leaving college soccer and I like had this whole crisis and I felt like I was at an all time low, I was really struggling with who I was. I didn't really feel like I belonged anywhere. And then you find where you belong. And that is the story that I try to tell is I struggled so much. And my favorite stories that I have are me having that moment with different veterans where they tell me I've earned their respect. That is like the biggest thing for me is these people that when I started going to these indie shows, I look up to them so much and I'm like, wow, they are so good and so professional and I respect them so much. Them coming to me or them inviting me to sit with them in the locker room and they just want to talk to me and they pour into me and they tell me like they're proud of me. Whenever somebody tells me they're proud of me, I like kind of melt a little bit. So I'm just like, thank you. But you know, growing <laughs> being able to earn these people's respect is literally 
priceless to me. And that's kind of the big story that I'm in right now of I'm not afraid to take up space. I no longer feel like I don't belong places. And like, that is the story and the whole message that I want to send to people is the reason I take everything as a lesson. And the reason I'm a sponge is because I know everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason for us to get to where we're supposed to be. And so I always try to convey to people that when you find what you're supposed to be doing with your life, you realize that everything is for a purpose and you are able to grow into a higher version of yourself to where these stories with me riding in a car with a veteran and him telling me how proud of me he is for who I've grown to as a person, not just in the ring, but who I am as a person, having grown inside of this is amazing. And these people who a lot of new wrestlers are like intimidated by in the locker room, them coming to me and saying, pull up a chair and come sit with us. You've earned it. You're one of the boys now. That like, it makes me emotional when it happens because I'm, so proud to say that I earned that. I earned these people's respect. And even you got if, told from that, sorry, you got told you're one of the boys. I did. I did. Oh, I you're in there, Sam. Made my heart sing. <laughs> and even separately from that, the first time I got to see, like my my mom and my granddad came to my first show ever on my birthday. I got to debut on my birthday. And that was so cool. But the first time that I got to see my sister in the crowd was the best story I could have. And even now it like makes me get all, you know, weepy about it. But that was by far my favorite moment. Cause actually it was the same match where the girl just came down on my chest for the first time. So I couldn't breathe. Um, but then at the end of the match, um, I was leaving the ring and I get up and I look over and I see my line of family. And then right at the end of the line, I'm looking off to the side, right at the end of the line was my little sister. And I like just started bawling before I could even get back through the curtain. I was like, that's why. And that, that's my favorite. I had such a similar experience with that one family member that had never been there before. And I didn't do it in front of them. I wouldn't, but yeah, that wave of emotions crashed down on me, you know. So uh, nobody landed on my chest, but I felt that, like, you know, it felt like the wind got knocked out of me, too. Uh, I know I probably said this, like, two or three times, but in such a short amount of time, because there's very few, you have so much respect you have so much professionalism. Uh, you hold yourself to just such a very high standard. I'm going to put you on the spot right now, and I'm sorry in advance, but you were the first female that Jimmy wanted for Redemption Championship Wrestling. Oh. The first the first female he thought of, it probably um, played a part on why he wanted to start a women's division. Oh. You know? To, to, because while we've known you, where we've met you at Wasp Wrestling, mm-hmm. um, and each time that we've been shared a locker room or broken down the ring, all things like that, we just continued to see your passion and your professionalism. And you are somebody that can create moments and bask in those moments and share those moments with fans, like we talked about earlier about turning that casual fan or that not fan at all into a fan, leaving them with memories, leaving them with moments. So I asked you this question. You still never gave me an answer. Oh no. January. (laughs) Yep, I'm doing it right here. Uh. Um, January, uh, I believe it is the 13th. Yeah. We are coming back to Lenore for a very big show. Mm-hmm. And you will be in our very first women's match. 
who is it going to be against? Or who would you like it to be against? You know, there's part of me that wants to put out the open challenge like I've done before, you know, the Beat Sam Street Challenge. And it's just like, I'm the new kid, but I've been able to have a good amount of success. So I kind of want to call out anybody to come challenge me. But I'm not going to do that. I really got to think about this, though, because I've been thinking about it for a while. And genuinely, I will face anybody. Like, there's there's so many talented women's wrestlers across the country you know you've got the you've got the girls in nwa i got to i got to face kenzie page with kylie page in a tag team match uh for som amazing um and then you've got girls in nwa like camille incredible athlete um you know you've got the girls that um i've worked with several times like sasaki unbelievably brutal and talented all the way around and then you've got girls like on the other side of the country like the zeta steels and you know Brittany brooks and um izzy moreno people like that who have this big hype around them and truthfully i want a piece of that hype um you know and same thing with places like ovw they've been getting a lot of attention recently you know Haley j jada stone um, Ari Alexander, people like that. Incredible. So literally anybody, I want to face the best. So whoever the best that you can find is, I'll face them a hundred percent. I could totally see that, that match card of Sam street versus, um, Jada, Jada stone. I could see Sam street versus Haley J. I would like to, I like to narrow it down here. Sam Street from Virginia, correct? Yes. Going up against who do we think might be North Carolina's best? Hmm. I'm not putting you on the spot this time. I'm just saying I I'd like to put this, no matter how choppy this first podcast might be, um, we're progress, not perfection, just like we are. <laughs> You know, we have to take our first bumps. We have to crawl until we get better and better. Um, in my opinion, if you hit your first podcast and everything went perfect, well, screw you. I, I didn't, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, you know, we continue to try. So I urge anybody who's listening to this to tag who you think is the best in the Carolinas. And mm -hmm. we will try to match her up against Sam Street. Let's do it. Is that good with you? Let's do it. <laughs> what do you Let's say, Jimmy? Well, can you guys hear me now? A little bit. Yes. I don't know what's going on now. No. A little. Chop, chop. Just go ahead. Continue it out, Nick. Take, take it home. Okay. I'm Nick. Whichever way I'm pointing is Jimmy. This is Sam Street. And this has been Bumps, Scars, and Stories. Thank you. <laughs>